0: Welcome to the 29th episode of the JewishDrinking.com podcast. I'm very excited to have you here. I'm your host, Rabbi Drew Kaplan. This episode is an archaeological episode just like we had last week. I'm very excited. Professor Lauren Spielman joins us to discuss a mosaic involving a drinking scene, or really a series of drinking scenes in 3rd century Sephoris, or Tsipori as people might know it in Hebrew. So here you go. And Today we have on as a guest, we have Professor Lawrence Bielman, who is the Associate Professor of Classical and Rabbinic Judaism at Portland State University, the Fighting Viking, Vikings, maybe. We don't know. Someone will find out on the internet. There's so, the we're discussing a mosaic found from the beginning of the third century of the Common Era, right? In Sipori, in Sephoris?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, yeah. so this, uh, so just to set the context, so Sipori or Sephoris in English is in Israel, it's a city, it's also where a lot of activity took place in the constructing of the Mishnah, or at least the editing and publishing of it, and where Rabbi Yehuda HaNazi,
1: Rabbi Judah the Prince was... The okay, important great. thing to, to note about about Sipori or Sepphoris, mm-hmm. um, is that it's a Jewish city, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and has been a Jewish city from its founding, even after the two failed revolts. Mm. Right so once the romans take over completely uh it's still actually uh, a jewish city that is to say predominantly jews live there uh and it seems to be founded at least you know by jews for jews originally mm. that is, but but it looks like a greco-roman city in every other way right mm. Um, So it's an interesting environment. And then what you just said is it's also where a lot of prominent rabbis lived and worked. Even the most prominent rabbi of them all, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. Right. So this is an interesting sort of laboratory to study what. Jews were doing at the time.
0: For those who haven't seen the the episode yet or w- listened to it, we have a whole wine in the Mishnah episode. Yeah, so people Which can go. I think we're going to
1: have to come back to uh, a little bit um, yeah. in the in the course of our discussion. I think it'll remind you of some things. Let's start with this uh, mosaic, and I thought I don't know. I I tried to bring some printouts great. Uh, of things so we could kind of talk a little bit about these images because you know. You usually talk about texts on your show, right? And you can talk about the text because you both know each other, but it's hard to talk about images without showing them. Um, So this is a house in Sepphoris, the largest private dwelling in the town. Um, Mm. And as you can see, uh, it's pretty impressive. Um, The design of the house is basically that it has kind of like two main rooms here, right, with smaller rooms all around. And so this would have been the really most public part of uh, this house. Uh, It included uh, a peristyle courtyard, like an outdoor garden space. And right next to that, what we call a triclinium, which is a a Roman-style dining room. Mm -hmm. And, And it's in that dining room that we find this really amazing mosaic.
0: Um, can I pause you right there?: Yeah, yeah. So, so Triclinium is called that because there are three couches that exactly. people can recline on, right? Oh, yeah. Now so, why why only three? I mean, could it only a- accommodate three drinkers?
1: No, 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 no. Um, the, the three couches aren't don't it's not necessarily where the the feasters are, right? So I don't know if you can see this so well, but here's the mosaic here. And then on top okay. of it, there's this kind of, like, upside-down white U. Uh-huh. So yeah. the couches, the, the, the three clean-eye, um, yeah. w- would have been there. And it's really like they're leaning up on those to eat. But there would have been numerous feasters Yeah. kind of laying on other couches next to this thing, right? Okay. Um. So what you think of as couches is really kind of more like what we would think of as like a dining room table.
0: Ah, uh, okay. So I'm really, um, so it's not
1: just three feasters; eat. it's lots of feasters. Uh, and actually, um, you know, everybody's kind of laying. I wish I had a whiteboard or something, but they're um, they're laying kind of on diagonal lines, right? Yeah. Uh, and so one guy is looking at nobody. And uh, one guys looking at everybody. Right. Uh. So. The way they're seated says a lot about status, right? Obviously, it's better to be right seeing everybody and everybody seeing you than being, like, stuck in the corner couch. Yeah.
0: Status. So,
1: uh, right. Um, and, so it's, and it's, it's right in and between the- those couches that the mosaic would have been.
0: Okay. And I'm going to go – I know we want to focus on the mosaic, but I am stuck on the triclinium. Yeah, in the no triclinium, Is that where, is that the main locus of drinking would be taking place? Or would there be another location for drinking?
1: No, this would have been the place. Um, But, uh, you know, I live in in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. So, uh, you know, every bar has food. And I think Uh you have to imagine that when there's drinking going on, there's also eating uh, very often as well, or eating something. Uh, Yeah. Right? So what we're really talking about is, feasting this is the room where feasting would happen and it it doesn't look like like this isn't like where your normal table is right this is where you invite people over to is uh, and have a sort of public meal with so this is, shots
0: uh-huh okay so this is really where the feasting is taking place that's more yeah. the focus than necessarily the drinking
1: um no, I'm saying most of the times people are drinking, it's probably in this kind of an environment.
0: Okay. Okay. Right? And that's where they um, would have a symposium or a convivium, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay.
1: Um, well, I mean, not everybody, right? For
0: those who could afford it. For
1: those it. who can afford it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So the triclinium's around the mosaic, at least the top part. Right. right?
1: Yeah. One of the reasons why this mosaic uh, was famous is because of its quality, right?
0: So mm. I don't know if you
1: can see this. They call her yes. the Mona Lisa of Sepphoris. Okay. Um, and even these pictures don't do it justice, right? This is this is what you might consider a, a relatively high quality mosaic. If you compare it to other mosaics, I don't know. You're familiar with like some of the synagogue mosaics, like at Beit Alpha, right? That's maybe mm. not a as high quality because um, there's lots of colors here that's very expensive
0: uh,
1: uh-huh. a lot of detail right how
0: how does it compare both more broadly um in the land of israel but also within the like the greco-roman world at the time how does it compare to how does this mosaic broadly compare to any in all of those
1: yeah, I mean, I would say that it's, it's pretty up there in detail and, it, and it's reminiscent of other mosaics from private houses in places like, you know, Roman North Africa or Antioch, right? So, so relatively high quality and, you know, it's, it's, it's possible with a mosaic like this, I'm not an expert on mosaics, but that it would have required an artisan from abroad. Possible.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting.
1: So a very high quality mosaic. Um, The center panel is this one, and um, it depicts uh, what looks like a drinking contest, right? Um, Yeah. Or possibly also a drinking contest as a Dionysiac ritual, right? Remember Dionysus is the god of wine and he is in a drinking contest with another god um heracles which is the greek name for um uh, hercules right who obviously has his own reputation as a drinker
0: really okay sure right so these these are like the two of the most drinkingest you know greco roman roman greco gods then going head ahead these
1: are these are the drinking gods right exactly Or
0: cup-to-cup as it might
1: be. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Okay. (laughs)
1: Okay. Um, And so that's the center panel. Here's the whole carpet. Well, this is the whole inside of the carpet, um, which Uh shows that actually the whole whole mosaic carpet um, shows scenes from the life of uh, the god Dionysus, right? Okay. Uh, Two panels, actually, um, which have the same title which is drunkenness, or methae in Greek. But if you look, right, you've got the top panel, methay, Um, and that's, uh, I don't know if you can see there, he's got a club, right? So who's that going to be? Heracles, Hercules, right? He's in a club, he's wearing his lion skin. How does he look to you? How's he doing? He's, uh, he's pretty drunk. He's pretty <laughs> drunk. How can you tell? I don't know if you can see it so well.
0: He's, he's laying down. People are trying to help him up. His People heads are trying to help him up, direction.
1: right? He can't get up. And yeah. look where his club is.
0: It's off to the side?
1: He's not even holding it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> Hercules has lost his club. Yeah. Uh, he's laying kind of like half-dressed on the floor, and people are trying to pick him up. And he's lost his power. His drunkenness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He's lost. He's lost something, that's for sure. Yeah. And then look at this bottom panel. The same title. Methane, yep. right? Uh, that's Dionysus. How's he looking?
0: Also not the one on the right or the, the one in blue?
1: He's the one kind of in the center in blue. He's all right. He's, he's having a good time, it looks like. He's got his staff, right? He's still got his yeah. staff in one yeah. hand. He's got his cup in the other. He's sitting, yeah. he's lounging, but nobody's yeah. holding him up. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I often ask students.
0: He's looking like he's still having a good time. He
1: can right. he so, can hold a cup. Right. So I, I I, ask students very often to characterize these like two different kinds of drunkenness. Yeah. So Heracles is what kind of drunk?
0: He's managing.
1: No, he's enjoying uh, Hercules, Hercules, the first guy.
0: Oh, Hercules, he 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 couldn't deal with it. He couldn't handle his wine.
1: I call that frat party drunk. Right? Oh. Just yeah. like Blotto. He, yeah. he, he's, he lost, be- he's lost control of himself. Yeah. Right? Whereas Dionysus is like dinner party drunk.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Right? He's had a little bit to drink in moderation. He yeah. hasn't lost his control. Uh, yeah. He can still banter, right? Uh, and, and he's still in charge, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and clearly from the fact that this mosaic shows other scenes from the life of Dionysus, it's saying, be dinner party drunk. Be yeah. Dionysus drunk. Don't be Heracles.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: right. I mean, could it also? That's true, but could
0: it also reflect? Maybe they have the exact same amount, but her, but just her her whatever Hercules just couldn't Hercules. hold it. Along. I'm just yeah. I'll I'll go ahead yeah. and call him Hercules. But the other but Diane by Dionysus they could have had the exact same. He's just able to hold his liquor. Could it be? Or you think it really was the quantity, and Hercules just had too much.
1: No, I, I, that's a fair point. Um, yeah. but like, know your limit, I think I'm reflecting on the context, right? Remember this is the dining room where uh-huh. you're inviting people over and you know, <laughs> I think I've stressed these, these, these things cost a lot of money. And this is the, this is the most public part of your house, uh-huh. right? If you're a big, important person, this is the main thing they're going to see. So, you know you imagine this is what you want them to think about you and what they're doing there
0: it's like, it's um
1: like have a good time but
0: right it's artistically setting a norm about drinking in that room it's saying be like be like dionysus not like Her- hercules yeah right? and
1: it's it's a very upper class roman perspective on drinking right it's not that <laughs> drinking is bad you shouldn't completely avoid Drink. In fact, drinking is good. We do it in ritual contexts. We do it to have a good time with our friends. We do it in symposia to discuss uh, important ideas, right? Yeah. Um, but one of the important tenets of the symposia, right, is that you can manage how much you drink. Mm. And you manage okay. how much you drink regarding the topic that's to be discussed at the symposium. Oh, yeah. Well. Right? Um, and do you know how they manage their drink?
0: I don't. They oh, mix water.
1: Right. Exactly. Uh-huh. So this is the Mishnah, right? Uh, yeah. You mix water, and so if you decide that you're going to talk about something really heady that you're going to really want to get into, maybe you put a little bit of extra water in your wine.
0: <laughs> it, oh, it's so fascinating that that regulates the alcohol con the alcohol consumption and content.
1: to a certain sorry to a certain extent
0: yeah yeah hey there i hope you've been enjoying this episode so far with professor lauren spielman stay tuned for later on in this episode when i give you a sneak peek into next week's episode
1: the the really other interesting thing about this house
0: yeah
1: is whose house was it
0: right yeah well you said it sat atop this hill in sipori and by the way by the way, one of the I know one of the articles you share with me that Rabbi Zera, third generation Amora, or uh-huh. third, third century Rabbi, said that, yeah. that it's called Sephori because it's like it's Sephor, and then it's sort of floating or flying up there. Which I don't know if it's true or not, but it says some. It certainly says something about the city's topography, right? Right.
1: Yes. It, there's yes. this hill overlooking the rest of the town, and up on that hill, I mean, interesting for me because I've, I've been doing some research on of Roman entertainments. There's a big theater up on that hill.
0: And this uh-huh. house
1: is right next to the theater.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Uh, the biggest house pretty much in the town and it's at the highest point, right? So that yeah. led the excavators um, to assume that the most important person in the town lived there, mm-hmm. or one of the most important.
0: Yeah, and and this was a mixed, this is a mixed city. It wasn't just Jews, right? It was, large. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of Jews.
1: It's a mixed city. Yeah, but it's a majority Jewish city. Okay. And um, I think you have to imagine, and there's some debate about this, but I mean, I, I, not that much debate, um, that the the people who are in charge of the city, the city councilors, um, yeah, are probably mostly Jewish. Throughout Mm -hmm. this whole period. The thing is. that There's not a terribly Jewish character. To the town. You know. After the destruction. Of uh, the Jerusalem temple. Mm. And certainly not after. um, Bar Kokhba revolt. Okay. So. um, This is where there's a little bit of, of debate. Right. Like. That the most Jewish thing you find in Sikori is there are some synagogues, but it depends how you date them when they show up, right? It might take a little while. And Uh there are some mikvahot, possibly. Um, But other than that, the public culture of the city looks pretty much like that mosaic I showed you.
0: It's fairly Roman.
1: Yeah fairly Roman, but at the same time most of the people who live in that town are Jewish, so (laughs) they're certainly not what we would imagine rabbinic Jews look like, right? Yeah. Um, But this might have been what a rich Jews' house could look like. Yeah. So, interestingly enough, the excavators of this building took totally different routes. They actually, when they published it, they couldn't agree. One guy said, look, this is the biggest house in the town. Um, we know who probably the biggest guy in the town was. That was Rabbi Yehudah Yeah. So this is probably his house. Right?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. If that's true, how do you explain this mosaic?
0: <laughs> yeah. That's certainly interesting. Although he does he does have we know that he does converse with and is he does stuff with the, the Roman government, right? He or or Greek stuff. Like he's he's involved with that. He's not a total he's not an isolationist.
1: No, no, that's true. That's true. Okay. Uh um At the same, I, I think the best way to understand those stories is that he has relationships with big important Romans of some kind, right? Not yes. necessarily with the emperor or a governor or, you know, but, but what, with important people. Yeah. That's true. But, I mean, can you still imagine this guy putting this on his... I mean, it costs a lot of money. Wow. You no? Know? on the floor of your house, and he also has Jews over, you
0: know? Could uh, we didn't have, to have bought it? Could huh?
1: someone else have made
0: it? Could someone else have made the mosaic or the house, and he subsequently purchased it from him?
1: Um, that would also be, I mean, maybe. I guess so. Uh, okay cer- certainly it seems like the the level of artistry suggests a, a, a pagan artist right a mosaicist um, uh-huh. but actually so the other excavator totally rejected this argument right which is to say that this is a high quality mosaic it's really well thought out um, it, it it seems to be almost kind of religiously devoted to wow. dying so therefore it probably couldn't have been a Jew uh, and therefore um, must have been a pagan, probably a pagan devotee of Dionysus. Um, that could explain why it's so close to the theater, um, right? Because Dionysus is also the god of, of
0: theater. Oh, really? Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: so um, right, they took these different routes and they just couldn't agree. Mm. It seems to me there's another option, which is this is actually a prominent non-rabbinic Jews house, right? Uh, and yeah. it, it, and might give us a window I I I mean a, at least a third option into what a, you know, a prominent non-rabbinic Jews attitude towards wine and drinking might have been. Oh yeah. You know, uh, yeah. You asked me for material culture. Uh, this is what yeah. I came up with. That's good. So, you know, how how can we kind of get into the mind of this prominent, possibly non-Rabbinic Jew, who yeah. you know is mostly looks like a Greco-Roman in every way. Yeah, uh, you look at his house and what he does.
0: Yeah, that's the surrounding culture.
1: But but so there's but there's a deeper. Uh, there's a kind of deeper level to this too, yeah. right? Um, and this is where we come back to text, because uh, you, I know, have been talking a lot about rabbinic attitudes towards drinking in general. I, I don't. How would you characterize that that attitude?
0: The attitude as depicted on the mosaic?
1: No, no. In in generally, like rabbinic texts. Oh. If you had to sum it up for somebody, what would you say?
0: I would say. Drinking is a part of life. There's wisdom towards it. I don't know that there's. I mean, they probably say stuff against getting drunk out of your mind. I haven't. Yeah. I don't know. Actually, I don't, I don't know that I've even come across that yet. They're not. They're not fond of it. But drinking is a part of life. It's just. It's a daily activity. It's there. It's a way to elevate what we do.
1: Right, and there. They're so. It's it's a part of life, and it's a way of enjoying something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was thinking in particular of a text from the Tosefta, um, which talks about, you know, like, whether or not we should eat meat or drink wine now that the temple's destroyed, right? Ah. Should we give those things up completely now that the temple's destroyed? Because... Obviously the whole point of having wine and meat, like we do it in the temple. We sacrifices that's meat, libations, that's wine. Yep. And and this is rejected. I I think it's Rabban Gamliel who rejects it, which is maybe not <laughs> a surprise, but right. Yeah. And this is rejected. Like we can't give up on that stuff completely. Right? That's too excessive. <laughs>
0: sure. It's too much.
1: Right. Like we, we're not We're not, you know, Nazarites here, you know? Uh, And that's not expected of of everybody. Some level of it is. uh, The rabbis always advocate self control and not losing oneself. So if you kind of think about it, then the rabbi's attitude towards drinking is also kind of Romanized. Mm. Maybe not to the yeah. same degree as this mosaic, but they're also kind of, uh, at the same time, affected by the same values. What are you working on these kind of days? That's coming out on Jewish uh, attitudes towards um, Roman entertainment. Oh, yeah? Uh, um, uh, in the ancient period, so you know, starting with Herod and, and ending with the rabbis. Um, and then... Oh uh i'm actually researching a book on um on violence right now
0: oh very uh, neat
1: it's towards uh, violence and nonviolence. i'm still kind of flushing out exactly what it's what its parameters are but and what what when do you, when is that first book going to come out it should be out very very soon i don't know. I have a specific date for you uh, okay in the like final stages of production
0: oh exciting
1: Awesome. Yeah. Nice. So definitely, you know, in the next you know, couple of months.
0: That's very exciting. Hey there, I hope you've been enjoying this episode featuring Professor Lawrence Spielman so far. It's not done yet. And I'm really excited at this point in time to share with you a sneak peek for next week's episode featuring Professor Stan Mervis discussing Jews' involvement in the 18th century Caribbean rum trade.
1: And also Jews are major planters. Um, they... It's a very conspicuous part of how they define themselves, even if they're not seen that way. Uh-huh. And so in places like Suriname and Barbados and Jamaica, where there's plantation economies, Jews are, are absolutely involved in sugar growing and in sugar producing and uh, the process. Cool. Of well, and-
0: Professor Spielman, thank you so much for taking the time to share about this mosaic. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much. And Lachaim.
1: <laughs> thanks oh, absolutely